Welcome. My name's Andrea Carpenter. I'm the Director of Women Talk Real Estate, and I'm delighted to be hosting this new podcast series from the Urban Land Institute. ULI brings together real estate and land use experts from around the world with a mission to shape the future of the built environment and to make transformative impact in communities. And this podcast will focus on that future and that transformative impact. ULI's European Young Leaders Group recently selected 10 outstanding contributors to the industry, hailing them as the new real estate vanguard. These are people in the early years of their career who have already demonstrated entrepreneurial flair or shaken up the corporate world. We'll use these podcasts to hear from each of them about their story, what brought them to real estate and how they are disrupting our industry. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Alice Lamb, Deputy CEO of property industry charity LandAid. Through her role engaging with the industry to tackle youth homelessness, Alice is at the forefront of the changing conversation on CSR and ESG. Now, as the real estate industry looks to improve its social outcomes, Alice has a great perspective on how we can affect real change in our communities. Alice, um, welcome today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, could you, I mean, we've got a kind of European audience here and um, Land Aid is a kind of a UK charity. So could you tell us a little bit about that and why it's kind of so special in this industry? Of course. So uh, Land Aid is the property industry charity. We were set up in 1986 as a result of Band-Aid, as the name suggests. And we've been through a number of guises over the years. But about four years ago now, we set ourselves the the mission to end youth homelessness. Um, which works really well for the property industry because it's bricks and mortar, it's what the industry understands. Um, And over the last three years, uh, we've created 520 homes for young people experiencing homelessness. We do so by um, providing grants to charities right across the UK to create safe, secure accommodation for young people aged 16 to 25. Yeah, And is it unusual for an industry to have its own charity in this way, a dedicated charity? I think so, yeah. Land Aid's quite unique as an organisation and the fact that we work with one industry to tackle one key issue makes us really special in my opinion. And and how did you find Land Aid then? How did, or how did it find you in terms of working for the organisation? Because most of the people we talk to are probably real estate experts. You're a charity expert in that way. So tell us about how you've ended up in the real estate sector. Sure. Well, I've had... Uh, a lot of contact with the real estate industry throughout my career and my previous role was at Corum, which is a children's charity that's, that supports young, children and young people in the care system um, and from there I managed the Club Peloton Partnership which looks after the cycle to Mippin Ride which a lot of property people will know very well um, and a lot of those uh, relationships have continued to now um, but I've known of Land Aid for quite some time so I applied for some funding from Land Aid when at Corum to create uh, a creative therapy centre. Um, I applied for £50,000 and was successful in doing so. So Land Aid is on the donor board on the Corum campus, which is quite serendipitous. But um, another way that I was linked in with Land Aid was we, we shared a lot of partnerships between Corum and Land Aid. And I was at an event with Mace called Tour de Mace, funnily enough, <laughs> uh, which was a cycling event. And we had to cycle around the Olympic Park on a Brompton and had to do five laps, which equated to a mile. And I was in the same team as Paul Morrish, who's our CEO, uh, and we won. So uh, it just goes to show we're a great team. Yeah, and you won a job. Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) Exactly. And have you done the cycle to MIPIM yourself? I haven't cycled it, I'm going to be honest, but I have been along on the ride uh, in a support vehicle. So I sat in in a van, Mm. made a thousand coffees in six days uh, and cheered a lot of people on with their dance routines. Oh, okay. And made many friends for life. I think it's such a bonding experience, that cycle to MIPIM, right? Absolutely. Uh, It's like nothing else. 
Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And when you came into the industry, what was your kind of initial perception of real estate then as a sort of maybe a giving, you know, a giving industry from that perspective? Well, I think um, experiencing MIPIM was an eye-opener as the first port of call. But I think in terms of an industry that it's unrivaled in the, the sense of community that you have in the real estate industry. Um, and to have that uh, dedicated charity, land aid is often the thing that people have, that property professionals have in common, which makes it feel really nice. Um, in terms of the real estate industry, it's got incredible power and is uniquely placed to tackle the issue of youth homelessness. Um, and I think the... The, the element of competition that is uh, throughout the industry as well works in land aid's favour. <laughs> so, um, mm. but it, it's an amazing community and the way that people unite and come together, even if they're competitors, to try and make a difference and change the lives of young people. Yeah, I think it is an interesting industry that we sometimes competitors sometimes working together. So that probably goes in the favour. And I know it's a generous industry. I've been along to enough of those dinners and things like that myself. But yeah. I wonder if the nature of how the industry wants to interact with you know the charity side is changing to me it's a it you know it's been corporate social responsibility is it now esg and can you explain the difference for us so i get asked this a lot and csr and esg are different things and esg has not uh, replaced csr in the slightest and also important to note that they both have their own merits uh, and one is not more outdated than the other but uh, I was listening to another podcast this morning with John Woodman of Hollis. He was talking about their five-year CSR strategy, which just launched. Uh, he defined it quite well in that ESG is more about um, the business and the client side of stuff. And it's much more measurable and you're able to test each element of ESG. There's been a huge focus on the E due to the climate crisis, as you would expect. Um, but with the S, uh, we're finding that that is less measurable. Um, so Land Aid, we, we're positioning it firmly in the S as part of our new three-year strategy. And we want to be seen as the best way for the property industry to achieve that social impact and value um, and make a real difference to to young people. Yeah, it's a huge issue at the moment, the S, isn't it? And I think that's been compounded by the pandemic and, you know, seeing inequality in places and that becoming much more exposed. And But it sounds to me like you want to be part of that ESG conversation then, whereas maybe before you've probably put in the CSR kind of bracket. Yeah, and I think charitable giving and partnerships are definitely evolving. We definitely want to be part of the S conversation in the ESG. Um, and we want we think it's less about donations now, much more focus on the social impact and the social value that businesses are creating. Um, so when I started at Land Aid, we, we had a lot of partnerships, but um, they were quite transactional. And over the mm. last few four years or so we've really worked hard to provide depth to those partnerships um, and really communicate what difference the companies and our partners are are making to young people which I think is so important and um, I'll just give you an example when I first started at, at Land Aid I went to a summer conference of uh, one of the large agents and I did a, a whole presentation about Land Aid and what we do and uh, our cause and uh, I asked everybody in the room to stand up and there was about 300 people in the room and I said can you stay standing if you've heard of Land Aid and everyone stayed standing and I said can you stay standing if you've done some fundraising for Land Aid and probably about 80% of the room stay standing and I said can you stay standing if you could tell me what Land Aid does and 
uh, everyone's sat down apart from one of our board members <laughs> so yeah. I knew I had my work cut out but I think that's now changed and I think that we're really focusing on, on the cause and businesses are much more interested in in what that fundraising is achieving. So does that mean you have to change as a as a charity and an organisation and also I mean I'm interested whether that's happening across the charity sector is this actually a trend where you know it is more about engaging with those who give you money more to have that longer conversation for them to understand the impact as well? I think it is across the charity sector, but I think, I suppose I would say this, but Land Aid is ahead of the game on on that because we are partnered with an industry that positions social impact and social value front and centre. There's changes right across the property and construction industry to position that. And Land Aid needs to be at the forefront of that and driving that forward and seen as the the way to achieve the S in the ESG, which is what we want to be. Um what does that mean you have to be as a leader? Do you obviously confident enough to get 300 people from the industry to stand up and, you know, get them to sit down when they're not doing something? But who does that mean you have to be to be kind of that modern face of giving in our industry? I think it's we need to be levelling with the organisations and companies and partners that we're working with. And as part of our new strategy, we want to be seen as part of the industry very much rather than an add-on or just a charity that sits alongside it. We want to be seen as part of that and a vehicle for the for the industry to achieve that impact and the, and the social change that they want to create. Hmm. And you've got some kind of the first steps initiative has come out quite recently. Tell us a bit about that and why is that different? Why is that not transactional and not about kind of just having that arm's length relationship of giving money? Sure. So the first step appeal launched yesterday, so hot off the press. Um, and it's the first step of our new three-year strategy. Um, and we want to create a thousand homes over over the next three years, as well as to leverage a million pounds in pro bono support every year for the next three years. Um, with the first step appeal, it came from a number of conversations with our charity partners after the pandemic. Um, our charity partners are, are seeing a huge rise in youth homelessness numbers. Um, they're at an all-time high. I think uh, the London uh, rough sleeping population is now made up of 11% of under 11% is under age 25, which is mm. a, an all-time high, which we just won't sit by and watch. Um, and uh, so there's a huge rising need for emergency accommodation, which is what First Step will will provide um, in eight key projects across the UK. And that's also come out, the appeals also come out of conversations with our partners who have an increasing um, need and call for us to create that tangible impact that they really need and that, to demonstrate where that funding's going. So we've got uh, four founding partners on, on board with that appeal already and each of those founding partners has been connected to one of those projects so they can see what difference their money's making, they can be connected to that charity, they can provide pro bono support alongside their fundraising and really see what difference that money's making to young people so it's really about getting companies more practically involved and you talked about pro bono work so is that what you want do you think that's a more longer term um ambition for an organization like yours that you don't that you do have people who are involved and engaged in different ways rather than as they usually just giving the money yeah absolutely i think with so with first step we've given a suite of ways which organizations can get involved of course it includes 
fundraising, but also um, the pro bono side. And we're also in conversations with the build to rent sector about donation of space and property in order to repurpose that for as homes for young people. So there's a number of ways that the property industry can help. I don't think it's necessarily exclusive to any of those. And the ideal situation of is if an organisation can tick all those boxes or balance their fundraising with pro bono and we, we realise how important it is to engage employees in a cause so we want to make sure that each and every employee in an organisation in that room of 300 for example knows what mm why they're doing what and they're doing. I think for many companies it become it, there's a business case now to be more socially sustainable and to kind of support social value. I wonder if you're if if you feel that's reflecting that actually Land Aid might get more momentum because of that. I hope so and I think it's just about us being clever and staying at the sharp end of uh, where the property industry and where the they want to achieve social value. So for example we before we focused on youth homelessness, we were generally just uh, supporting young people, disadvantaged young people in general. And youth homelessness was the issue that the property industry wanted to, us to focus on. And that's what we're focusing on for the time being. But it may be that that evolves and Land Aid will evolve alongside it. So we're a very small, uh, nimble organisation and uh, will continue to evolve alongside the industry, I think. And how was the pandemic for Land Aid? Because, you know, charity raising obviously took a hit across the board during that period that we weren't active and aren't able to fundraise. How did you counter that? What did you do with your members and your those your partners during that period? So it was a tricky time, but I, it was for everybody. Um, and I think I, I personally and the whole team were absolutely humbled by the support that the industry continued to to provide to us so in the first month well I think this month last year we spoke to each and every one of our partners just to explain where we were and talk to them about their ongoing partnership and I would say every single one of them said we want to continue to support you and what can we do to help you through this tricky time and that was so validating and just confirmed the the dedication of the property industry towards land aid which was um quite a difficult process to go through but uh, very rewarding in a lot of ways Um, and I think the word of the pandemic which I keep hearing all the time is pivot and that's what we had to do with all of everything that we were doing we completely changed the way that we worked so we launched our Covid emergency appeal last April which uh, we set the target of a million pounds never thought we'd raise a million pounds and we raised a million in three months uh, which is just testament to the power of the property industry and usually we um, raise money and we give out grants within a three-month period. We were raising money and giving out money within seven day within a seven-day period. So to really answer those urgent calls from the charities and the young people that needed our help, and that was uh, amazing to be part of. And uh, we funded over seventy charities across the UK um, who were looking after young people who were isolated and experiencing homelessness at the time. All of our events went virtual. Uh, and I was just talking to you before we went on record about the quarantine challenge, <laughs> which is a working title that stuck. Um, and all of our events have chimed really well with the industry this year. Uh, we think that they've been a nice way for people to come together, even if they're not together. Um, and so we've had a number of events across the year who have, which have exceeded all of our expectations and meant that we're able to provide even more homes. 
And you've been sleeping outside recently as well. How did that work? I have. I slept uh, in a tent, so uh, technically I cheated. But we had um, the sleep out back in in March, which was sponsored by Night Frank. Um, and we had over 600 people sleeping out in their gardens, on their balconies, in the bath. Some Someone slept on a paddleboard in the middle of the sea whilst tethered to a boy. Really? Yes. Um, we had a lot of uh, crazy... Uh, people taking part but we raised um, £400,000 from that one night which was yeah which was fantastic but um, people got their children involved and uh, yeah begrudgingly but they did (laughs) and uh, that was just one example of um, the events that we ran last year. And do you take away any lessons as to you know things you might keep the same going after the pandemic maybe some of this virtual fundraising does work? I think so we'll definitely have a hybrid version of our events moving forwards and um, previously we had events in key cities across the UK um, but we really want people wider than that to get involved so people across Europe for example um, we've got a couple of events coming up so um, a virtual 10k run and a virtual cycling event called Tour de Landade, um, which people can get involved in wherever they are and I think that's really important that people feel that even if they're in um deepest darkest Yorkshire which some of our partners are that they can still get involved in our events and not have to come into a major city so yeah it's broadened our horizons definitely and you're clearly very passionate about the work you do and you know I hope we keep you at Land Aid for a long time but how do you feel about where your career might go within the charity sector as opposed to the real estate sector well I was thinking about this and I was going to say I've peaked (laughs) 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 but I'm incredibly proud to be deputy chief executive at at land aid and to be involved uh, with the charity and with the industry Um, as I said we're very unique in our position and to have the full weight of the property industry behind you and behind a charity and um, to have all of the support of our committees and our board is um astounding and a great thing to be part of so obviously we've just launched our new three-year strategy and all I want to do is make a difference that's all I've ever wanted to do and uh, at Land Aid I believe that we can make a difference and I'm really excited to see how the new strategy that has been two years in the making (laughs) I'm excited to see where that takes us and what we can achieve. So we got you at least another two three years then to see that roll out I think. I'd say so and um I was also going to say like a damehood at some point. <laughs> well, I think you carry on the way you are. I think that's definitely on the cards. Yeah. But what about um, others who want to get involved? First, those in the UK who can more maybe more actively get involved in land aid itself. How can they kind of make a meaningful contribution? What are you looking for young people, for, you know, from young people today? So we have um, obviously our events that I've mentioned already, which we'd love to get people involved in, um, not just in the UK, but outside of the UK. But then we also have uh, an ambassador programme, which has been running for a few years, which um, is typically, but not exclusively for property professionals in the first sort of five, 10 years of their career. But if you're outside of that, if you feel like an ambassador, you can be an ambassador, no matter how old you are, doesn't really matter. Um, and we bring that network together. So they're the rising stars of the industry, essentially. And they are our foot soldiers. So they raise um, funds and awareness of our work. But also um, they're each recognised and rewarded for that contribution. So a lot of our 
ambassadors say to us, um, I would never get invited to that dinner with our senior partner if it wasn't for my involvement with Land Aid. So it really gives that that recognition, or that's what we try to create. A bit of an edge, really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No bad thing. Yeah, and they're all fantastic. Okay, and what about those who, you know, we've got a European audience, those outside the UK, what would be your advice on trying to, you know, maximise their impact as an individual within their industry, within you know the what they want to do within the social side of their career are there any particular good you know should they look out for something good in a charity you know should they look to not just raise money but to look for volunteering opportunities for example yeah i think fundraising is really important but i think it's everything it's the full package as i said so we match up pro bono opportunities with our charities with the industry and the charities are so grateful for for that support and it really does make a huge difference and that's just expertise and time that individuals give not just funding i think if you're going to support a charity locally it's looking at what is thinking about what matters to you and the social issues that are close to your heart what are you passionate about what do you want to change um and i think you can do that on an individual level but also through your organization um and make a difference um so for example obviously i work for land aid but i'm also a trustee of a of a local charity and there's a number of local charities who are crying out for board members particularly from the property industry who can help them and support their work so um i would say look your local area as a first port of call um, and with a cause that you love. And is there something about that issue of homelessness or youth homelessness that resonates with this industry? So I mentioned the bricks and mortar side of stuff and I and I do understand that not the, the entire real estate industry is in the residential space but I think it comes back to um, the fact that we create capital projects and capital builds um, and at the end of the day, we're supporting young people. Everyone remembers being 16 and not knowing who they are and not knowing what their direction was. Um, but also it boils down to shelter. And we always say that um, home is at the heart of everything that we do. So it's just, I think that resonates with everybody, but particularly with, with the property industry. So tell me, how did you get into charity work? Has that always been your passion? So my first job when I left uni was uh, in charity and I was uh, in Croydon, my hometown, um, placing young people who were disadvantaged and I was finding them uh, employment and work experience. So uh, these were young mums, uh, ex-offenders and the like. And um, I helped to get them jobs in the local area. And after I'd done a contract in that role I placed a a number of young people and a lot of them went on to permanent um, employment which was hugely rewarding and gives you that warm fuzzy feeling that you never kind of shake off Um, but after that I got cocky and decided that I could make money from finding people work so I did what every 23 year old does and I went into recruitment for a bit for my sins so I did 18 months in recruitment thought I could make money from it and um, definitely didn't (laughs) Um, And then the financial crash came, um, but uh, in recruitment, my boss said to me, "Um, do you see your future here? And I was honest and said, no, I don't. And she said, I think you'll be running a charity one day, which is quite an interesting insight. Um, But then when the financial crash came, uh, I managed to get a job in public realm at Harrow Council. So I was there for 
uh, two and a half years, which I think has paid off in my time at Land Aid as well, because I have a, an understanding of that side of things. Um, and then after that, I came back to charity. So I've kind of gone full circle, tried a bit of everything and realised that uh, my purpose is to make a difference and I have a social conscience that and that warm fuzzy feeling as I said is really hard to shake so yeah it's a great thing to take home at the end of the day or as you switch your computer off I'm quite sure absolutely absolutely I mean I don't think we always think as charities as being the most dynamic places or the most modern or disruptive of of organizations I mean how how are you keeping land aid kind of relevant to its audience and how you how you keep the kind of sharper end of the charity world so charity can be very slow paced, um, but Land Aid is not like that at all. So um, one of the benefits of being part of an, an industry or an industry charity, if you like, is that we have to keep up with the pace of the real estate industry in the built environment. Um, so we operate very corporately compared to other charities that I've worked for. Uh, we're extremely nimble, um, fast paced uh, and um, I think quite innovative in what in what we're doing um, and that's an exciting thing to be a part of so uh, Land Aid is very different in my view. Okay so being part of the real estate industry almost puts it under the scrutiny of how the industry works whether you want targets and returns and all those types of things. Absolutely I think returns is, is the key there so uh, the amount of money that we spend on overheads often comes under scrutiny but the amount of money that we invest in charities right across the UK and um, that is a huge amount so I think uh, in terms of return on investment we do well. Now we've talked a lot about kind of raising money in different ways but I've enjoyed many a dinner dance and you know charity evening you know at one of the hotels on Park Lane please tell me that's not completely disappearing. Well I hope not because I've got some cocktail dresses. <laughs> exactly we need to dust those down at some point so do you think there's still kind of what that you know the industry really enjoys that coming together in that raising money in that that kind of way right? Absolutely and I think there is there will always be a place for the virtual event from now on but I think those uh, physical events and specifically the gala dinners will come back um land aid would love to run a gala dinner we had plans to run one last year when we were supposed to launch our strategy for example um and we hope we can run one in the future we we held one in twin on our 30th birthday with uh, prince william came to say a few words which was a, an amazing event um and we'd love to do that again and bring everyone together physically i think those tickets would sell pretty fast at the moment <laughs> to yeah. you and your friends <laughs> yeah to me and my friends yes we used to hang around those gala dinners way too much i'll yeah. hold you to that yeah though. and we talked. We talked about kind of uh, people in the UK getting involved in land aid. What if you are kind of outside? You know, you're listening to this podcast. And you think, oh, that's a really inspiring, dedicated industry charity. How can they become more involved in either land aid or kind of, you know, what would you tell them to do in their own country in terms of charity giving and support? So we have the virtual events that we're running this year. So we've got the, as I said, the 10K and uh, the Tour de Land Aid coming up, both coming up in June. Um, we also have a national, um, an international, shall I say, step challenge um, coming up in October, which is called Steptober. Um, you can get involved anywhere um, in the world uh, in that particular event. And then next February, we'll be holding the sleep out again, if anyone fancies getting absolutely freezing and sleeping in their garden again. Can you recommend us a business book or a podcast or something similar that has inspired you? Is it going to be something from within the charity side or the real estate side? That'd be quite interesting to know. 
Well, can I say one that's not in either? <laughs> Definitely. So um, I'm a huge fan of Desert Island Discs and I always have been. Um, when I got married, I did a speech and my speech was Desert Island Discs and I dedicated a song to groups of people in, in the room. But the, there's a recent episode with Dame Louise Casey who headed up the Everyone In um, campaign earlier this year and was head of the homelessness task force getting the 15,000 people off the streets in the pandemic mm. um, but she's had a huge career of tackling homelessness and she is so inspiring she set her mind on one key issue and no matter who she upset along the way she's going to make a difference no matter what and um, I just found her hugely inspiring as a as a person um, and that podcast her desert island is uh, one of my favorites a particularly good one yeah yeah I would recommend it Okay. Well, Alice, we look forward to your damehood in the future. (laughs) Otherwise, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about the other episodes of this series, go to the Young Leaders page on the ULI Europe website. (laughs) 